Hey there, I'm Emlyn Miles Mattingly, your host for the Minority Money Podcast. I'm glad you're here. You know why? Because this is the place you can come to get your weekly finance, family, and fitness motivation, not only to experience success in those areas for yourself, but also to help others in our community achieve greatness too. Super happy that you're on the show with me. So let's jump right in. Welcome to the Minority Money Podcast. I am your host, Emlyn Miles Mattingly, where we are changing the complexion of wealth. Today, we are joined by Dr. Courtney Beasley. We're going to talk about health, mental health, and a few other things that we're going to discuss, but I'm going to let her get into that. We're introduced by someone else. They heard what I was doing and they knew what she did. And they said, you guys need to clink up and talk. And so yeah. here we are. So Dr. Beasley, welcome to the show. Yeah, thank you. I'm so glad we're doing this. So yeah, a little bit about me. I'm a licensed clinical psychologist and the founder of this platform that I created to help increase Black communities' access to health information. It's called Put in Black. And that was really just born from my desire to like have people have more information so that they can advocate for themselves when it comes to different health systems. And I really got a an up close just view of that through my work in psychology and hospitals in different settings where people have been incarcerated throughout their lives. And yeah, so then I, I thought of that platform. So that's been a big part of the work that I've been doing of just supporting black communities and having conversations like this. And so just to think about it, like I think about mental health and I think about it in, you know, black communities. And I definitely think about it in communities of color because I think that this is something that has just recently become like something covered in media, like where people are talking about. Yes. Yeah. Popular right now. Yeah, it's hot. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's a good thing or bad. I mean, it's a good thing to bring the awareness. Right. And I think that there's so much to talk about in this. So I was just very excited to have you on. Yeah. Tackle this and just, you know, kind of just sit back and listen to what you had to say. So you're a doctor, clinical psychologist. So Talk to us a little bit about that. Like even just getting started in that space, like you're a black woman, you're a doctor and let's talk through that. Yes. Cause yeah, there's a lot there, like (laughs) truly. And you know, even going into that and deciding that I wanted to be a psychologist, it can be something totally different than what it is in reality. In grad school, it was hard, rough. Like psychology is a very white field, especially Mm -hmm. clinical psychology. So we have these different types of psychology and that one is like, historically and presently, it's very white and I feel it. And the way that I was trained, the way that we're taught to connect with people. And it's like right now, I'm very much like early still in my career, but just unlearning some of the things that just don't feel natural for me, especially with people who I work with in the Black community Mm -hmm. or people in general too, though, honestly, there's a lot of rigidity that comes with being in that field. So it's been interesting. I feel like I'm like finding my groove like how I like to operate and how I like to connect with people and really recognizing that the most important thing is just human connection. Like that's what matters most. And that's what's been really healing, I think, for people. And just connecting at the human level, right? Not a textbook. Yeah. Not because I think clinical psychology in textbook and clinical psychology in practice is probably very different. Yeah. I, I mean, But there are some people who practice it like the textbook, like acting as though we're not also human beings. Like Mm -hmm. that whole idea, that's something that I feel like was really big in my training of 
okay, well, you can't let people know too much about you. And you got to like, if someone asks your age, we'll ask them, well, why does that matter to you? Mm -hmm. I'm curious. Why is that important? I'm like, I mean, it's natural for people to be curious about their health providers, right? Like their healthcare providers. So yeah, I don't want to be like a textbook. (laughs) Exactly. You know, and and I think the parallel that I can draw between that as a financial advisor is like, I did my CFP coursework and we're, you know, I did sit for the exam. Wish me luck. Um, and there's like textbook stuff, right? Yeah. And the yeah. textbook stuff doesn't take into consideration the cultural context of the people that I may be working with. Right. Exactly. And, so I, and talking about that with money, I could see is one thing, but talking about that with with health, with health and mental health and just different aspects, like I could see the major disconnect in how that could become an issue or, you know, For not sure. knowing, like, you know, just not knowing And I'm thinking mental health specifically just because I think about how it's been taboo to be medicated. It's been taboo to talk about some of the real things that happen when you have a mental illness. And there's, you know, to not be treated differently as, you know, someone that has diabetes, they take medication to make them feel better, to make Mm -hmm. them have a better quality of life. Why can't someone do that? And this is just me. I know we, this is kind of off the just. No, yeah, this is good. Yeah. But I just think about that, you know, and I think about how it is such a taboo. And I think money and mental health are really close in those two taboos and how people perceive them and the misinformation Mm -hmm. that there is about them. So Mm -hmm, for sure. So, you know, mental health is a very important part of overall health. And we speak about other aspects, mental, physical, spiritual. Yeah. But like as if they're separate. But what you like to say is that it's all together, right? It's all connected, for sure. And I think it's all connected, too, to just like the stigma around mental health, like like the way that you were describing it. We've turned it into something that's separate and then is also bad. And we're as if we're not supposed to address it or it's not a natural part of our the way that we are and the way that our relationships are, the way that we communicate with one another, and especially among minorities. especially among racial and ethnic minorities. I think that's true. And there was a point I was going to make about something you just said. Oh, I was just thinking when you said money and mental health and all the barriers that come with that too, like when people don't have money and the access that they have to health in general. But yeah, so the clinical work that I do, so I do therapy three days a week at this startup clinic. And one of the most common themes I think that I see is that people really trying to like fix it, like fix the thing, like fix the anxiety or fix the depression, the symptoms of depression or whatever the thing is without addressing these other parts. Like, are you sleeping? Like, what are you eating? Who's in your life? What's happening at work? And then also just like Going back, people sometimes too will feel a bit nervous or resistant to going back into like their childhood, things like that, and making sense of that. But I don't think anybody can say that hasn't influenced their lives, right? Like all of us have been influenced by the way that we grew up, the people who are in our lives. And yeah, so all of that is connected. So when we think of like, did you go to church? Was that a big part of your upbringing too? When things get really rough, what do you turn to? Or like, who do you turn to? And and what helps you get through those rough moments? Those have been like the major things that have been coming up, especially recently as people are, you know, with protests in the Bay Area with um, where a lot of my clients are with the air quality, with the fires and everything. 
I don't know if I went on a tangent, but there, no, you're, in my, in my you're, mind, you're, it's all related. No, no, because, <laughs> and the reason why I think it's all related and to like put it there is because all of those things. So like, I'll just say this, and, and we talked about this before, but think about how we talk about the things on the podcast, money, family, yep. fitness, mm-hmm. health. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Those are all things that contribute to your overall wealth. Right. Yeah. So sure. people won't look at family as a way that it contributes, but it does. People don't look at education uh, as a way as it attributes, but it does. Like yes. you look at people that have attributed, like that have achieved some type of success in whatever we conceive, uh, whatever we perceive as success. You can ask them about education, family. And I'm not talking about education in a, in a like a normal sense, like just education that you've received, not like a yeah. know, school book knowledge, but just formal. education. Yeah. And then I think about also how all of those things like, we as a society have done a great job of treating symptoms and not treating the cause. And so when you're trying to unpack things with people and saying, okay, so talk about your childhood. This is why one of the questions I ask all my clients is, what's your first memory of money? I need to unpack this money relationship right. you have from the beginning. Yes. What do you remember of this relationship? And they're like, well, I used to always buy things, you know, get money and buy stuff. So that means you typically become a spender. Yeah. I used to save everything. That typically means you become a person that saves. Yeah. I like to buy, you know, every time I got it, I'd like to go buy stuff. Got to get all the gadgets. So they typically are spenders on these particular items. And there's nothing wrong with any of those things, but we need to know why. And mm-hmm. so I think that's probably, I'm guessing that's how it works with you. Yeah. Just like <laughs> how did these behavioral patterns come to be, right? Like that, that's essentially what you're saying too. It's like, and who mm-hmm. modeled these things for you? And one of the biggest things, too, has been just some people, when we talk about understanding the relationships that have influenced the way that we are and the way like our worldview and everything, mm-hmm. so many people have the resistance to understanding their history and the relationships that have been like most significant to them. And that has manifested as like not even being able to say how they're feeling, not being able to say, like, I feel sad right now. It's just, right. And I'm sure you've seen this too, where it's like often expressed as like Mm -hmm. anger or it's like just shutting down completely. And that's also layered if you're like a man and if you're a black man or if you're whatever, whatever Mm -hmm. the thing is. Yeah. But talk through that. Let's talk through that. Let's talk through some of the layers of things that may be going on. And since I'm a black man, we'll talk about the layers of what can be something in mental health for a black man. Like, not necessarily about black men, but men in general about right. not crying, not looking a certain way, not doing that. Yeah. And really just suffocating any type of emotions you have because that is perceived as weakness. And then, mm-hmm. you know, we get to you and we've had, you know, 25 years of suppressing all these feelings because it's supposed to be weakness. And then, you know, we really can't even identify the feelings we have because we suppress them for so long that we don't even really know what they are. Right. And feeling maybe too, that there's not even an option to be any different. Mm -hmm. I actually, I want to share this with you. My dad was actually just here at my place and, you know, your relationships with your parents change as you get older and, or like your relationships with the people who you looked up to, your elders, it changes as you become an adult and get further into adulthood. And I really have this moment of just like, oh my gosh, like there are so many black men, especially older black men of his generation who have like these shared qualities that I've observed just like throughout my life and I'm putting it together. And it seems as though 
they're not even aware of like the option to be able to express your feelings. Right. Cause like they didn't have the freedom to do that really. Cause like, who cares about how you feel, mm-hmm. right? Like you suck it up and you keep going. Mm-hmm. And that's been something that's been pretty huge is recognizing like, Oh, you don't even think that that's a choice. And going to someone like me for therapy, that's really not happening. Mm-mm. Yeah. Yeah. That's not <laughs> a thing. I'm good. I'm good. You know what I mean? And, it's just, yeah. But go ahead, yeah. go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. You're just saying. And for women too. So I do a weekly group with black women. And I want to be clear and saying it's not just black people, of mm-hmm. course, yeah, but this course. has just been a lot of my work. So I do a group of black women and that's been a thing too of like, okay, so I could take a break because I am noticing I'm getting tired. I'm feeling more anxious, but I could keep going. Like, I know I can keep going. So why would I take a break? When your body is like yelling at you saying, take a break when it like, it's the tightness in your chest or like, you're not sleeping, your stomach's hurting, things like that. But I can keep going because like, I got to be strong. I got to keep pushing through. So all these archetypes, all these like messages that we've received that say like, even if you're feeling bad and your spirit and your body are saying, slow down, you keep going because that's what you're supposed to do. And then I don't even know if we know why we're supposed to do it. Like you said, you're supposed to do it, but why are we supposed to do it? Like, I think that, and I wanted to get back to something, not necessarily about your father in specific, but some of the themes that you've seen with Black men in general, you know, we can even say some men, but Black, well, well, give me some of the, like, can you talk about some of those things? Like I said, not your father specific, but just some of the things, like the themes that you're seeing, like, this is something that (sighs) I've seen, because I think that this is going to help people identify things that they may have in themselves that they didn't know. Yeah, I'm trying to think. One of the things that comes to mind immediately is anger and like the expression of anger, because like underneath anger is like these all these other emotions that we're feeling, right? Like we don't just feel one emotion at one time. Like there's pain, there's sadness, there's disappointment. There's like just all that comes with injustice and feeling like no one's going to listen anyway. So what's the point? And my mind is going to I did this men's group in this state hospital a couple of years ago. And it was beautiful to be able to hear just how they connected with one another and their experiences and what taught them how to be. And given that many of them have been incarcerated most of their lives, but it's really just like going back into also like who showed them affection, like who were the people in their lives that showed them affection, if any, and many people never really having that, like in the form of food too, like that's a huge thing. Like like, did, did anyone like cook for you? Like, did you have to, were you hungry a lot of the time and like being nurtured in that way? In addition to like, did you get like, I love you. Did you get some hugs and things like that? And then not knowing what to do with it because in our country and in many places, there's no space for you to really share that or for people to be like, no, we care. Like we see you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like, as you think about that, like just because someone achieves success, uh-huh it doesn't mean that they've dealt with those issues. It doesn't mean that they've had anyone talk to them about that. And I think that's something that people don't get. Like, they're like, you got all this money. That doesn't mean all your problems are gone. No. That doesn't mean you get, you get rid of all the emotional traumas that you've had coming up. That just means you've overcome some other circumstances, but you haven't right. overcome these things. And as I'm hearing you talk about it, you said the men that you're talking about, a lot of them were incarcerated. And I think about just the, how we have been taught to be who we are supposed to be Mm. and who's teaching us how to be who we're supposed to be. 
some of the things are taught, some of the things are caught. And I think we catch a lot of the stuff. And what I mean by that, some people are going to teach you good things, but a lot of people are going to catch bad things, right? Mm -hmm. And so you're going to catch things from what you watch on TV. You're going to catch things. And those things that you catch can be things that you start emulating. And so I think that, you know, you have all of these different things that are pouring into these empty vessels that we are as humans as we're born. And then we have, we're filled up with all of this stuff and we don't know how to get some of that stuff out of us. Right. Yeah. And so I think just listening to you, just thinking about it, why is it so important for like health providers to recognize that there's differences between different ethnic communities? Why why do you think Mm. that's something that's important? Mm-hmm. So I remember like a couple of years ago, I'd, I was having dinner with some friends who are also colleagues. So they're also psychologists. And I was saying something and I said something to the effect of like that person, I think maybe the person was Ethiopian. Mm-hmm. That person is Ethiopian. They're not African-American, like from Ethiopia mm-hmm. and how important it is to understand that our histories are so different which therefore it affects our health too, right? Like our food, our socialization around race, which builds our confidence and our self-esteem and protects us against like all these harmful messages that are thrown at us. And I remember my friend saying something like, oh, I didn't, I never knew like what African-American meant. I didn't know. I just thought everybody's African-American. And you know, like, so then in my mind goes, so that means everybody's ancestors were slaves and everyone eats the same kind of, like, I'm going back to food. Maybe I'm just hungry. But like, that's important too, right? So like people who are from here, our ancestors were slaves and like our food is soul food, right? Like that was the thing that we created from what we were given. And then that, how that contributes to things like hypertension, like Mm -hmm. heart disease, like diabetes. Mm -hmm. Whereas people who are from these other countries, but are also black, they have different experiences with that. And they've been around and people in America too, but just like, it means something to grow up around people who look like you. It means something to see people who look like you succeeding in various ways with family, financially, they're healthy, they're active. And when you don't have that, just like we're talking about, it starts to shape how you view yourself and what's attainable for you. And like, even some of the people I've worked with and we're talking about food and they would get like free food from this organization. And I'm like, okay, like get these veggies. Like you can do like a stir fry, you could do whatever. And look, this is like some organic stuff. And like, I'm not eating organic food. Like, why would I do that? Hmm. It's not even logical, but because of like the way that things were, what they'd seen and what they'd experienced, it's like, oh, that's not for me, mm-hmm. which is definitely influenced by like our environment and the information that we're receiving. So depending on where we are. Yeah. And I think that you bring up a good point. Like, So there's more liquor stores on corners in minority neighborhoods, liquor stores, 7-Elevens, things like that. Then you're going to have, you're not going to have a Whole Foods over there. You're not going to have anybody selling, you know, you're going to see a Trader Joe's. You're not going to get any of the food, the options that you may have in a more affluent area. Like you say, urban for one area and affluent for the other. We know what that really Uh, means. Yeah. But that's what you're not seeing. And so when it doesn't even look like an option to you, because you've been socially conditioned to think that it's not everything that you see tells you that it's not. And so I could see how that could be different. And then when you have, you know, I just say I'm black opposed to saying African-American because I never, you know, just that's a whole nother subject. I wish we could talk about that too. Yeah. So, but yeah, so I'm black. I'm not African-American. I'm black. Can I say something? Talk about it. Talk about it. I don't want you to lose your point. No, no, no. Um, I'm good. Okay. 
same. I was the same, like just saying black until I went, I think probably it's my experiences in the Bay and mm-hmm. really being like through the way that I was either, well, really, I just didn't feel uh, accepted and included in many things because I wasn't from a country in mm-hmm. Africa. So then I realized I had to like, oh, like it's clearly I'm not a part of that. So then I had to like start saying black American. And then I spent some time in Boston and and there's many black people from Mm -hmm. different countries. And then it felt like I needed to distinguish myself in that way, because if I just said black, then it was like, oh, but what kind of black are you? Mm -hmm. But I hear you on just saying black and I it resonates. Just wanted to say that. No, no, you're good, because I think and I'm going to talk a little bit about that more because, okay, so I had another. I had someone else on and she was black, yeah. but she was, she's Latina. Right. So we were on a call and she had a shirt that said empowered Latina. Mm-hmm. She looked like you, mm-hmm. you know, she spoke yeah. Spanish and the thing that, cause you're talking about food, the thing that Anna brought up, shout out to you, Anna, if you listen to this, I hope you do. <laughs> what she said was, cause you brought up food. I couldn't connect with my black American friends. Right. Because I didn't grow up eating greens and, you know, cornbread. And yeah. that's not what we ate. I'm Latina. Yeah. We didn't eat that. And I was like, right. it, for me, it blew my mind. Like, we we're in the middle of the call. And I was like, what? What do you mean? And I was thinking to myself, like, that's okay. Right. There's nothing wrong with that. But sometimes I think we have our silos and echo chambers. And so we don't really think about the other Black people that are in the world. Because the world is bigger than just the United States. Quite a bit bigger. Right. And there's Black people all over it. So that speaks to our education system too, though. Like honestly, but okay. Well, yeah, yeah that's a, that. Yeah, that <laughs> that's one right another, there. We have a whole. You know, I mean, the people <laughs> that win the war write the story, right? So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that's that part of it. But I mean, in regards to like recognizing the difference in ethnicities and with the whole different history, I think that I think people lump all of us For together. Sure. Yeah, black people. Whether you're African, whether you're Caribbean, whether you're South America. Yes. Yes. And South America is an entire country. Yeah. It's a whole <laughs> continent. I mean, yeah, right? South America yeah. is a continent. Oh, God. Yeah. I'm just like, like it's an no, entire yeah. continent of people that, you know, and I'm not saying all of them, but there's a large population of Black people there. Right. Absolutely. The second largest population of Black people outside of Africa mm-hmm. is Brazil. People don't know that. Slave trade mm-hmm. in Brazil was. Mm -hmm. They dropped Mm -hmm. off a lot of African slaves in Brazil. They weren't Mm -hmm. treated as brutally as they were in the United States. They were treated bad. They weren't treated like they were here. The United States has a special brutality that they treated slaves with. I don't know why I even brought that up. Because it's all connected. Yeah. (laughs) So when you have all that, and so how does someone like advocate for themselves when it talks about like, how do you take care of yourself? How do you transition Uh like, from, you know, where we've been to where we need to be. Yeah. I feel like a huge part of it is things like this, right? Like we're having a conversation about this stuff and it, I know I'll be leaving this thinking about it and um, connecting with people who are also on that same journey of wanting to take care of themselves and, and using the free resources. Cause there are so many, especially right now. And when something doesn't feel right, like if you're with a healthcare provider or like even if you haven't gotten to that point yet, but when something doesn't feel right, like really listening to your intuition. And if, because this is the thing that I talk to my clients about all the time is like, we show up to like, if it's with me, if they're coming to me or if it's with a physician or whoever it is and coming to the person and acting as though like they know everything, like 
okay, you're the expert, like you tell me what to do. And it's so important to realize and to like, make sure that you check in with yourself about this of like, you're bringing so much information into that space. Like wherever it is that you're going, like your body's giving you a lot of information and our knowledge is limited too. So whoever the healthcare provider is, like, especially those who only believe in traditional Western medicine and aren't open to understanding other ways of healing, like through like what we're eating and stuff like that. It's so important to recognize even, okay, you don't have an MD or a PhD, but like you have like so much that you have to offer and like so much knowledge that's just like naturally there and absolutely use it like and practice it in all that you do, like in your relationships, at work, like your day-to-day stuff. Like when you have a feeling, listen to it. I think that this was, when I'm listening to you, like a self-advocate is, I think about it as taking time, tune, turn the noise down from everyday life and be a little more self-intuitive to your, you know, your body will tell you things. Like I went to the dentist the other day and we've started a practice of, we've been, I've been meditating for two years now. So I had two years of meditation practice. Yeah. And I used to hold so much weight on my streak because I was almost going to, I was like on like 200 and like, 47 consecutive day. I thought I was going to make it all the way to the hundred and I was beating myself up because I missed a day. And then I was like, well, what's the whole purpose of meditating? Anyhow, that's so I just, I was like, but so the results have been happening, but what it's done for me is it's allowed me to become my own advocate. I would drink more before. Mm. And because I was being mindful of what my body felt like when I would drink, I stopped drinking as much as I used to. Right. It wasn't something that the doctor had to tell me. It was just me being in tune with myself. There's certain foods that I just don't eat anymore. Yes. And it's all about listening to your body. Yes. We experimented with going plant-based for a diet before. We did that for a little Mm -hmm. while. Um, I actually really enjoyed that. I did enjoy being plant-based. It was hard because no one makes it easy to eat just plants. Mm -hmm. It's just not easy. It's just, but I mean, I think when you, think about taking care of yourself. I think that's all stuff that we can do that might not, because like I said, and I think I was going somewhere with this before, but people will treat the symptoms, not the cause. And I think doctors will quickly medicate you to treat symptoms, but never ever get to the cause. I'm just going to say, if you're eating like shit, right? And your blood pressure is high and it's not genetic, like, because sometimes it's genetic, you can't do anything about it. But if it's not genetic and it's because of your eating habits and you're saying, well, just give me some medication, I'm not going to change the way I eat. You're just treating the symptom. Right. Yeah. (laughs) You're not getting to the cause. And so with healthcare providers, how do we navigate that? Like to try to make sure that we're getting what we need if you can afford it. And if you can't, then we have to talk about the other thing. Right. And because that's the thing. So I'm trying to figure that out too, just because I do give like, recommendations to my clients and also for myself too. But yeah, money, money is a big factor in terms of like having this more holistic approach to care and being able to understand the why versus just the symptoms, right? Like the, well, what's happening right now? I mean, it really goes back to like, if you're feeling like, let's say you're going to eat something, you're like, oh, that doesn't even sound that good, but it's what's in the fridge or like, oh, it's, it, it'll taste good. I usually like it. Like your body's saying no, like there's, it doesn't want that right now. So that's really powerful. And I know it's not exactly asking your question, but there are just so many barriers to our healthcare system that it's hard to even really address it. I think it's about 
don't give up hope. There are a lot of writers who do care. There are a lot of resources too out there. And I'm trying to think of just like a few, but I don't know, you know, like, especially like now that I'm talking, I can't even think of it. Hit record and it's like, whoa, what happened? I know, dang, all those (laughs) things I read and stuff. Yep. And then too, on my website, I do like, I try to get like other health providers together so that we can share the information that we know and you can connect with them from there because they I know those are people who care and I think it's a beautiful thing too to see that and that website's the name of your website is put in black right yeah dot com dot org dot com so it's put in black dot com and that was designed to help increase information right so what kind of information can people find on your site like if we were to pull it up what will we see yeah so there's some stuff on I think most recently like, there's some stuff on, I think, like I'm not doing it. Financial, <laughs> <laughs> financial health. And there's some stuff on acupuncture, on breath work, yoga, psychology, of course, because those are many of the people I know. Mm-hmm. And I, yeah, I definitely want to expand it. That's what I'll be working on, especially this month is like doing some more outreach and finding more people. I'd love to get some more like fitness people on there. There's someone who talks about Mm plant-based life too. So just like all the different Mm -hmm. aspects of things that contribute to our health. And I think like when you think about some of the non-traditional methods, yoga, you mentioned that we had some shows on, but I have some people come on. Like, so the month of January was all dedicated to health and fitness. Mm -hmm. We had a, I actually had a black yoga instructor on, which was a black male yoga instructor which oh was cool phenomenal. like i don't know if you ever seen I, i've never seen one he was the first one I was I've like, gotta like have you on. one or two yeah so there's two that exist at least <laughs> and then we had a lot of personal trainer i had a personal trainer on that was doing stuff then i had a chef on oh awesome okay and so we talked about all those things and i think like i don't know if it's like i'm thinking about how that all because we had someone else that talked about gut health so we yeah. did have someone that come on and talk about your, you know, the gut health and stuff like that. And how she said, instead of you are what you eat, she said, you are what you digest and absorb. Mm. That's what you become. And so, you know, when you're thinking about that, why would you put so much? Because you talked about food a lot. We all love you. <laughs> I sure did. I'm starving. <laughs> why is what we put in our stomach so important to what happens in our mind? Oh my gosh, what a question. (laughs) It actually brings me back to what, there was something I was going to say when you had brought up medicine. Mm -hmm. So I'm definitely one of those people who's like, food is medicine. Mm -hmm. So if we're putting things in our bodies that are harmful, then of course we're hurting our bodies, right? And it, it comes in the form of the various diseases that we have. And Tell me if this is too tangential because I'll bring it back. But when you had brought up the medication, I was just thinking of how many people are actually more willing to take medication rather than addressing some of the deeper issues that are going on that might make it so that they don't need to take the medication, right? Like you're addressing these things and we figure out some behavioral things that you can do like breath work, like meditation there can create a shift there and just like people so readily wanting to take a thing that we can naturally find in just like being able to release some of the stuff that is hurting us. And then also 
and eating like things that are good for us, right? And the things that help with keeping things like balance and all of that. Do you remember that part when you were talking about, you're talking about medication, I thought, and like psychiatry maybe. And then it was- I just thought about medication. Like people are taking medication for their, I have high blood pressure. So I'm going to take the medication for that. Or I have, you know, type two diabetes and I'm taking the medication for that. But can those symptoms be treated by something else? Right. Oh, that's what it was when you were saying like, sometimes it's just genetic and there's nothing you can do about it. And I'm like, I'm going to challenge that just because I've seen the, and I'm sure you have too, but through meditation, like the power of that and what it does to us and how it slows things down. And with consistency, it can really change things for a person combined with eating well, like your life can be totally different. Yeah. I believe that, but, and I'm saying, but, because, but why are people hardly no marketing for health food? There's hardly no marketing for introspection. Yeah. There's like, no one is talking about this. So how do you get people to make that transition? Cause I think that's the hardest part. Like, it's not that the information sure. isn't there, but like, since it's not being marketed to us in period, right. because if you look at, you know, you watch any sports event or anything, you're going to get all kinds of junk food advertisements. Yeah. Right. But that's not making anybody feel better. Right. It goes back to money, right? So if people understand, I mean, it's really about like, they need to like first have exposure to the information in order to begin the changes. Because if you're just totally unaware, you're just like eating all the stuff, like all the, all the sweet things that we have to offer in this country. But if you understand, like you're going back to like understanding like, okay, all of this is fueled by money, like billions and billions of dollars. And these people who are making all the money from these things do not care about your health. And there are like laws in place that are allowing horrific things like in our foods and stuff, like completely unaware of it. And some people just don't have much money, right? And so you eat what you can. But if people have access to this information and they're like, okay, so this is what's fueling this. Like, how can I make sure that I'm using the resources that I do have in order to eat more healthy and to live a healthier life? And it's hard, especially if you're in a place where there isn't, there are just like McDonald's or like a convenience store and you don't even have a grocery store. But at least if you're starting to get the information, there are resources out there because there are people like us who want to help to make this, it sounds so cheesy, but a healthier world. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I think it's not only just healthier, but just make it overall better. Because I think that healthier people make for like, what you put in your stomach can control your mood. What controls your mood can, can, you know, like that trickles down. Like all those things are impactful, in my opinion, yeah. to everything sure. that makes you up. So if you're having, because you're eating, because you're drinking milk or having dairy products and your yeah. body's rejecting dairy. And, and you keep eating it anyway. You keep eating it anyway. <laughs> yeah. And if you think that it doesn't affect your brain because there is what's going on in your stomach does affect what's going on in your brain. And so I think our disconnection and understanding how the body is all connected and what you eat, what you see, <laughs> what you hear. Yeah. Those are all things that are going into your body. For sure. Visual, Absolutely. audio, through your mouth. Yeah. Those are all things that you feel. And then the energy spiritually, you get all of those things And we really aren't careful with what we watch, what we see, what we hear, what we 
we're just not careful with it. And so if you think that, you know, maybe I can eat a little bit of this, that's not good for my body. And then maybe I can, because of the way I was raised, I have these internal issues that are going to affect me, my outlook on things. And Mm -hmm. because I have the stuff that I put in my body isn't helping me the way that I need to think to get clarity of mind. Now these thoughts that I have are going to overtake some of the things that are, they're going to put me in a different headspace. And now that I'm in that different headspace, I'm not going to think right. I'm going to make decisions that are all (laughs) not the best for me, which could have been avoided if I had clarity of mind, which could have been created if I had better food to eat, which could have been created if I would have been seeing someone else like me eat those kind of foods. Yes. So you see it, you hear it, you eat it. Information, food, relationships, spirituality, all of those things are things that you are constantly inundated with. And we don't have the ability at this point to differentiate between the good and the bad. Mm-hmm. And this takes me back to our, this reminds me of our first conversation you and I had before this one about just like how things are designed. And it just brings me back to that of like, this is all by design. This is not a mistake, right? Like people are making a lot of money off of people being unhealthy and people are making a lot of money off of people continuing to buy a lot of soda and candy and like very sugary, whatever cereal and and all of that. And there's money to be made by people remaining ignorant and not knowing how to care for themselves. So that's like individually coming together and like, so collectively to share the knowledge, like, share resources and to share like actionable, like practical ways to make changes in our lives. Like even, so if you are in a place where like, you don't really have access to like a grocery store that has some good food, like, okay, so what can you kind of change, shift in your world? Like, just like how many of us don't drink enough water in a day? Like that's, that's a shift that can be made. And then that takes me to like, okay, do you have water you can drink? But okay. But like the find in the way, or like, can you find time to like go for a walk? Or if you're able to do that and where you live or like things like that, or can you find time to just like look up a video and do a, like a little yoga something? Yeah. So I think like when we, there's just people just don't, and I'm not going to make excuses for people. Cause I think that there's been some people that have been able to overcome yeah. all of the obstacles, not being able to go on a walk, not being able to eat. Right. Yeah. But I think, if it's me and you know, this business idea for anybody that wants to take it, we'll put it out there so you guys can hear it. But my thought <laughs> is this, if you think about this, you think about 7-Eleven, 7-Eleven is always in the hood. I've seen 7-Eleven, yeah. you know, that's just where it's at. Right. But what happens with those is typically whoever buys it, you have to have a franchise for a little while, then you can change the name to whatever you want. And so that's why you're seeing a lot of 7-Elevens disappear and be named something else. Mm, okay. So what I would suggest, they're already in the hood. Why wouldn't we try an idea about making 7-Eleven into, not necessarily 7-Eleven, but the same idea of a 7-Eleven, like a quick health food market in the hood, like where you could go in and go get a healthy snack. Real estate is already there. Instead of having a liquor store on a corner, have some more healthy food choices. Right. You know, you can get fresh fruit there because fresh fruit is hard to get in the hood. You get fresh vegetables there because fresh vegetables are hard to get in certain yep. places. Yeah. And then making healthy snacks for people in those neighborhoods and have the government supplement the difference of the cost so they can make the cost lower. You want to give supplemental money for governments 
We don't need you bailing out banks. Right. Supplement the health food. You want to help preventative medicine? Do this because if we can make sure that people are eating right, then it's going to change things. It's just like, I think that's, I don't know. I was thinking about that the other day. And if we would do something like that, just think of it. I'm not saying change every 7 Eleven and pick one out of, you know, whatever. Pick, do a mile radius, however yeah. you want to do it. And then say, okay, you can offer these health foods at these in particular places, these neighborhoods. As long as we they meet the demographic, we'll go ahead and give you some supplemental income from them so you can charge the lower prices. Or we'll do some kickbacks to the farmers and whatnot so that they can do that because. It needs to happen. They throw away so much of this food that mm-hmm. it doesn't have a long shelf life when it's really, really good. Right. Good food yeah. doesn't last long. If it lasts for six so months, then it's food. probably not good. Right. So we're throwing away all this stuff when I think we could probably be distributed more and then have people lead people to healthier lifestyles, lead people there by the location of and the proximity of the foods that would help them. Yeah. That's a really cool idea. I just thought of like people saying like, yeah, but how would I know how to do this? And how would I know the farm is there? But there are people doing things. And if you just Google it, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you can find many things. And people are so willing to connect too, to help to share their ideas or like how they got through whatever points of the process. And it reminded me too of the service where I used to work. There was this organization that would come bring food that was going to expire. And then they would, so they would share it with, where I worked and then share it at different places around the area. And I, if there were more places like that too, that would be amazing. Cause it was just like fruits and vegetables. That's mm-hmm. the whole thing that it was. And like and other staples too. Cause that doesn't take much, you know, like we we're discussing dinner a second ago and I was like, well, we got, you know, you got meat. If you eat meat, you have a starch, if you eat starches and then you have vegetable, that's dinner, mm-hmm. lunch, dinner, or breakfast. Like you, you have a starch typically, or some, you know, and make sure you have a double serving of whatever vegetables you have. But it took time to get here because I think about, you know, the way I was raised. I'm only a generation removed. My grandmother and my mom raised me. And we fried everything. Right. Everything. Cast iron skillet, always kept some oil in it. It was ready to go. It didn't, they, you know, we frying <laughs> everything. We even fried, we even fried vegetables, frying okra. That's exactly what I thought of. I thought of okra, yeah. So, I mean, I think that there has to be an education on it as well. But it's just one of those things, like, it's so important to get your eating right. And I know we're talking about mental health, but damn, if you don't eat right, it's not going to help your mind. Like, your mind is... For sure, yeah. Where do you get the fuel from? Get it from what you eat. Right. And I tell people this all the time. I'll say this, and then I'll get to the questions. But people will put better gas in their car than they put food in their body. That is so true. You will go out and put 91, 92 if they got it. You put that. I can't. My car can't. It even says on there. Premium fuel only. Is that that on your car? Premium fuel. You can't put nothing in here but premium fuel. But we get our bodies and we put crap in it all the time. Yes. So let that. that, Yeah. Let people marinate on that one. (laughs) And the car can be replaced with different things. If it's shoes, if it's whatever, like buying all these like premium things, but not treating your body the same. But I'm going to go to McDonald's. I like McDonald's. I'm not going to lie. They got I, me. Their French fries are so <laughs> bad, right? Like it, they, they taste so good, but it's, it don't let them get cold. I'm not even going to go there because we get on this. I'm hungry too. <laughs> so as you know, this is the Minority Money Podcast. Where we're changing the complexion of wealth. So I, I wanted to get with you on uh, asking a few questions about that. And 
what motivates you and inspires you to continue to learn and grow? Hmm. I, that's so funny because I knew you were going to ask me that, but I still got a little emotional about it. Personal experiences in my professional, but I've seen what can happen when we do take the time to educate ourselves and to share what we've learned and to make positive shifts in our lives. Even if you don't even have to say it to someone, but if people around you or people who are looking up to you, whatever, you see these positive shifts you're making and they're like, oh, I can too. It's so beautiful. Yeah, that's my motivation. Absolutely. You be the change that you want to see. Yeah. Do you think education plays a big part in wealth building? Yeah, and I'll just share just briefly. So my relationship with money has been an interesting one. When I think of like home ownership, my perspective on that was very much like, why would I even want that? Why would I want a house? Why would I want sort of this burden? But that's connected to my growing up and seeing my mother lose her home. And then also some other family members struggle with that too. And be like, well, why would I ever do that when I can just rent all the time? And you know, you don't have to worry about that. And it took a while for me to just like learn some other things that connected me with people who think differently about this. And then I got and explained further, like what that meant and like the meat, like understanding generational wealth and understanding the history of black people, not owning property and the disinvestment in our communities. And again, how that's all connected to our health. So yeah, that's all education. And yeah. And like what you were saying earlier, not just like formal education, but just like through having conversations with different people. I think people are wonderful. And if you listen to them long enough, you might learn something. There's so much power in silence, like in just listening. Yes. How has your family supported you on this journey? Uh, my family, in many ways. Mm-hmm. I definitely, I'm so fortunate and blessed to have family who, and I'm thinking specifically about like my parents and just like the elders in my family who, mm-hmm. Are like, of course, like, why wouldn't you be able to do that? Like, of course, go do it. And are excited with me. I'm someone who gets very excited too. So mm-hmm. like that cheer me on. And in the moments when I am like, why did I do that? Or make a mistake or whatever, just like reminding me like I'm a human being and this is what we do and keep going. So, yeah. Awesome. I love it. I love it. If you could offer a piece of advice to our listeners, what would that be? It would be... Make time for silence every single day. Like make time to go within and to just check in with yourself every single day. Even if you only have a couple minutes, I think the biggest thing that comes up when I share that with people, is like, but I got to do this and I have this and I have my kids and I have this. And I'm like, you don't have like two minutes in your day or like, like really, hopefully it'd be more than that. But just like a couple minutes where you're just silent because we're taking in so much information like you were speaking to earlier, but all the time and like how can you even know where you stand or like where you're at or how you're feeling if you're just always like the receiver of information and not just checking in with yourself i like it because when do we do that yeah like we try to figure out how we can fit more stuff into our day instead of taking like less less and more you know the take those times take those moments of silence take those breaks Mm-hmm. I love my uh, iWatch because it'll tell me and it always tells me right on time. Something gets hard and I get tense and then it says breathe. I'm like, oh, yeah, I need to breathe. Yes, yes. Yeah. Brett, oh, 
breathing is so good too. That's not, can I just add that too? Is like make, t- make time to breathe. Like we underestimate the power of that, of being intentional about our breath and like, it can really, it helps. It definitely helps me get through the day for sure. You know what? Yes, you're right. Cause breathing is just <laughs> like, it is, I mean, we need to do it to live. Yeah. <laughs> so you, you got to do it, but sometimes taking conscious breaths, like to slow things down and make, make life easier, especially midday. Mm-hmm. You know what, Courtney, this has been awesome having you on the show. I want to thank you for the work you're doing. I want to thank you for taking the time to chat with me today. And the listeners are going to be in for a treat. What social medias are you active on? If people want to get more, <laughs> uh, Courtney, what social media? I don't want all the handles. I just want the handles that you're active. So if someone gets it. If they want to get to you, how do they get to you? It would be my put in black social media. Well, why am I acting like I have so many? That Yeah, put in black. Uh, so it's put dot in dot black on IG and Facebook. Okay. Put dot in dot black. We'll put a link to that in the show notes. So, so Facebook is where they can get to you. Yeah. Facebook and IG. Yeah, I okay. I love how I hesitate because I'm so like bad with my social media. But yes, I check it. I do. Okay. All right. All right. I'll just make sure. So if someone reaches out to you, they can get a hold of you. Courtney, this has been awesome. Thank you. I've really enjoyed it. As you know, this is Minority Money Podcast, where we are changing the complexion of wealth. Until next time. Another great showdown, but it doesn't have to stop there. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast on whatever podcast app you're listening on now and give it a good rating, would you? If you feel really connected to the podcast, which I hope you do, find our Facebook community, Minority Money VIP, to support and be supported by others just like you. And again, we're glad to have you. While this podcast is meant to inspire and motivate you to live your best life, it can't be your complete one-stop shop. I know, I know, that really sucks. But I don't know anything about your specific situation. So please reach out to an attorney or CPA, or you can reach out to me, a financial planner, to help you with your specific situation. To get a hold of us, please reach us at fan at Minority Money Podcast. That's F-A-N at Minority Money Podcast so we can get to know you there. Thanks for being here. And until next time.